Welcome to The Big Rich Show. This podcast will focus on conversations with friends and acquaintances within the four-wheel drive industry. Many of the people that I will be interviewing, you may know the name, you may know some of the history, but let's get in depth with these people and find out what truly makes them a four-wheel drive enthusiast. So now's the time to sit back, grab a cold one, and enjoy our conversation. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two, Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Why should you read Four Low Magazine? Because Four Low Magazine is about your lifestyle, the four-wheel drive adventure lifestyle that we all enjoy. Rock crawling, trail riding, event coverage, vehicle builds, and do-it-yourself tech all in a beautifully presented package. You won't find Four Low on the newsstand rack, so subscribe today and have it delivered to you. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Scott Tremarco. Scott is the owner of Scott's Custom Off-Road. He's also an engineer. He's uh, the pump guy, and he's one of our rock crawling competitors at We Rock and other places in the Northeast, and he's from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Scott, so good to have you on board today. Hope everything's going good. Yeah, Rich. Uh, it's it's great. I, I'm, I'm excited to... Uh talk to you. Um, I'm privileged to privileged to be on this show with all the other people that have been on it so far. Um, you know, when you asked, I said, oh, that'd be fun. So. Absolutely. It's always fun. <clears throat> people will, uh, yeah. even, even friends of yours that you're around a lot will hopefully learn some things today that they didn't know. That's what typically happens. So yeah. we'll see, we'll see how this goes. So let's ask the, the, the first question, which is always, you know, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in actually Hollidaysburg, Pennsylvania, which is only three miles from where I live here now. In, um, it's in Duncansville, which is just sort of a suburb of Altoona and uh, uh, born, born in Altoona Hospital. So, it was, you know, this is, this is where I was born and raised and I still live here, basically. Um, I moved away for three months for a job one time, but I moved right back. So <laughs> you must <laughs> really like the area. Life. Yeah, uh, you could say that. <laughs> Excellent. So let's talk about those early years. Um, school, bicycles, motorcycles. What was uh, what was your thing? Uh, I was. Um, I guess sports was my first thing. Um, I played baseball all the way from like peewee up to uh high school ball and i i quit playing around 11th grade or so and politics got involved a little bit i think and and i just didn't really care for it anymore and then um i played golf and my my dad was a big golfer and so i learned how to golf when i was around 12 and um yeah he took me golfing a lot and i actually went with my grandmother a lot too she golfed a lot so um, learned how to golf. I was decent. I played on the high school team, um, played a couple matches and stuff. I could shoot in maybe the eighties, but, um, be somewhere in maybe like 
late grade school or junior high, um, we had a new neighbor move in and he, he gave me a, um, an RC monster truck, a Tamiya, uh, I think it was a Bigfoot or something. And it was like, I hit the jackpot <laughs> and <laughs> I remember it was winter time and I, I drove the thing in the snow and it was just a blast. And, um, it was, you know, hobby grade type of, of thing. And I was really into Legos before that. So, uh, you know, this was like the next level putting things together and seeing how they work and stuff. So, um, I, I continued with that. I, I kept, you know, I was like really into RC stuff while I was doing the sports things. And so I, I, um, I cut grass and, and, and saved money for, for more RC cars and, uh, airplanes. I got an airplane for Christmas and, uh, like a, like a, you know, five foot wingspan trainer model that, um, I, I never learned how to fly, but was I it, put it together. <laughs> was it completely remote or did it have like the wires attached? Well, backing up a little bit, I did have one be first with, with the wires attached. Okay. Um, my, I remember my dad used to have to start it for me and I would fly around, you know, spin around the circle. And, um, I used the heck out of that thing. And then I think that's what drove the, um, getting one for Christmas of the real RC plane. Wow. So I got one of those and I put it together in the wintertime after Christmas and I, springtime came around and my dad was like, come on, let's take it out to the field and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, try to fly, you know, well, he said, let's just drive it around. You can, you know, maybe taxi it around, make sure everything works. And, um, you know, we made a mistake. We, we, we left the wings on it and we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, he's like, just make it hop up in the air a little bit. And, um, well, I did. And it just went straight up in the air <laughs> and, uh, I, he's yelling, what are you doing? And I'm just saying, I don't know. <laughs> so it came crashing down and, and just smashed into a bunch of pieces and it was balsa wood, but, uh, I rebuilt the whole thing and got it looking like it originally did and never flew it again until I was in college. And there was a local, um, uh, airport, a little RC airport around here that I took it there and, uh, a guy flew it for me, took it off and I flew it around. Um, we had like a connection between our remotes and anyway, I got to fly it briefly, but he landed it and stuff. So I, uh, when I was a kid, I had one of those, you know, spin around in a circle. Yeah. Have the thing. I flew it for a total of maybe 15 seconds <laughs> and it totally yeah. destroyed it. I don't ever remember flying it again oh <laughs> or my getting gosh. another thing like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think maybe there was a difference. Mine was plastic. So it, it took a beating, um, that spin around one. It was a Corsair. I remember. And it was a little O 49 Cox engine and it, it, you know, it got crashed a lot, but it just kept going going. <laughs> So when you played um, baseball, what what position did you play? Uh, I was pitcher um, up until about eighth grade, and 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 most pitcher and center field were my main positions. Um, but in eighth grade, I hurt my rotator cuff. Oh, and it was like real cold out, and I, I didn't warm up enough or something. And I just remember from that day on, I had tons of pain in my shoulder. So 
I, uh, well, we got scan, I got scans and all kinds of, um, you know, different doctors looked at it and things. And I never had anything done with it. They just said, well, it's probably bruised, but we're not going to do any kind of surgery because you're young and you heal. So, um, you know, I, I ended up, I'm, I'm left-handed. So I ended up learning how to throw right-handed. Wow. And yeah. And I, I couldn't be ever be quite as accurate with my right hand, but I could do it. And I, I used my dad's mitt cause he was right-handed and I remember, uh, multiple times or, you know, like there were some instances where I was in center field then cause I couldn't pitch and, but I could catch, you know, really well and, um, run down the ball. So I, I took, I would take my mid off and throw sidearm with my left arm to be of any accuracy. And I remember doing it and throwing a kid out at first base. And I was like, no, excited <laughs> about it, but it hurt real bad. <laughs> uh, I can imagine shoulder injuries are, are tough. So yeah. is it something that still bothers you? No, it doesn't. Okay. Um, it's just, it, it went away over the years, you know, mainly that year. And then it just got, okay and i i never pitched again but i played center field in the outfield in, in high school um but never never had an issue with it after that I, I you know there wasn't a definite diagnosis of oh you like tore it or something and uh, it was just mainly oh i think you bruised it so okay yeah and so when you were in school were you studious uh for the most part, I was never one to like, I, I guess I tried to follow the rules as much as possible, but I never really cared to be there. How <laughs> <laughs> My mind was always on uh, RC cars or planes or uh, something to do with that mostly. Even, in, even, even when I was playing baseball or golf and I was probably thinking more of how can I build something <laughs> for uh, you know, something more in the engineering lines of things. Um, so. And how did, uh, how did you, your, your basis in engineering come about? Was it just something that happened or was it something, you know, do you have a family member that, uh, that was involved in it? No, I, I don't. Um, in fact, and I remember this specifically in first grade when they ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, an engineer. And I, I said, I want to design cars. And, and I, I always remember that, but I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> I don't know if my parents had said, you know, like, you know, jokingly or just, you know, Oh, what do you want to be when you grow up or something? And, and had said that. So I don't, I didn't have any real close relatives that were engineers or anything. And uh, certainly not designing cars. Right. And um, so I, I just, headed in that direction in my head, even though like through everything else, I always like to draw vehicles and, and stuff like that. And then, you know, building with my hands and Legos and RC then, and that, that was just kind of the natural tendency. And then in high school, um, the guidance counselor was, you know, helping kids pick what they wanted to do. And, you know, if they wanted to go to trade school or college or find a job or whatever. And, um, you know, that was, the engineering stuff was what interested me the most. Interesting. So with, um, in those, those high school years, did you, did your school have electives or was it just um, the core classes? So did you, did you get a chance to do auto shop or anything like that? Or was, 
They had a few. Um, I think the best one that I had was drafting. Okay. And I, I had three years of, of drafting. And at that time, it was like I graduated in 02. And um, AutoCAD was sort of new. And we had AutoCAD 2000. Um, I think that was my second year. So in my first year, we had like hand drafting still. So we learned how to do that on, you know, a board, a table and how to do hand drafting. And that was like, I, you know, everybody that wants to become an engineer or thinks they want to do anything with that should do that. Actually, you know, draw stuff with their hands. Um, that taught me the basics of all the basic engineering stuff and how you design parts and, um, you know, how you would manage, how you would build a, or draw a print to build the actual parts. Right. So that, that class was amazing. I had a great teacher, um, Larry Gallo was his name. And, uh, he, he used to take all the kids in our class on the canoe trip every year, which was like the highlight of school. So we would, we'd go on this big canoe trip, but, um, you know, he, but he was our drafting teacher. So he, that was probably the best elective I had. Um, I had one that was another class that had, um, you, you had to do like an internship between 11th and 12th grade. And I had one at, um, my internship was at PennDOT, which, you know, our department of transportation. And it was, uh, pretty worthless as far as engineering goes. <laughs> <laughs> got paid well, but. <laughs> Did you have to hold like shovels up or something? No, we drove around in a car and measured the road width. I remember uh, we called it the road width verification survey. And that was my summer project. <laughs> huh. Tape measure or electronically? Yep. It was me and another, it was a college student that I was with. And he, him and I drove around on these back roads, uh, state roads. Um, and we would get out every, every like couple tenths of a mile. And we had a meter in our car and get out with a tape measure and measure the width of the road. And we, we had a way to record everything, you know, which road we were on and which route, which state route it was. Um, it was a really interesting job. We saw a lot of, I, I mean, I, I got to drive a lot and see a lot of our area around here within the couple County area. Um, I, I really enjoyed that part of it. It just wasn't engineering. You know, right. Kind of silly. Yeah. One of the jokes that I had having grown up in, in California, was that uh, the the Caltrans trucks at that time were orange, and so whenever we were working on a, I used to be a landscape contractor, and we'd go to lunch and you know pull up into a convenience store or something, and if there was a Caltrans truck there, it was like you know, hey, what's big and orange and sleeps for? You know, <laughs> yeah, be a Caltrans <laughs> truck, you know, because there would always be guys in the truck sound asleep. Yep. <laughs> or the oh, other one yeah, is. That, uh, you know, oh, Caltrans just laid off 50,000 employees. Really? What happened? Oh, the Japanese invented a, a shovel. It stands up by itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my my grandmother is a seamstress. She's still around, still does the seamstress work. And they used to have, they used to joke all the time about um, she made shirts with pockets upside down so they didn't have to hold onto the shovel. <laughs> you just stick the head the end of the shovel in the pocket. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh god. So then from high school you uh you ended up at Penn State, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Um 
I there's there's a branch near me. It's it's in Altoona on the other side of Altoona from from where I live. Um, it's only about ten miles, but it takes like a half an hour to drive there. And um, went there all four years. Um, the the main Penn State campus is only about forty five minutes from me north of here. But this program that I that I think my guidance counselor is the one who helped you know point me in that direction was more of a technical engineering degree. And at the time it was, um, it was called a two plus two program. So you took either two years of electrical engineering technology or two years of mechanical engineering technology and being more of a mechanical mind. I was like, I remember a buddy of mine and I, in the same, we took the class together and we were like, let's get the electrical part out of the way first, like, and get it over with. And then, you know, maybe it would be better, easier after that. Well, it wasn't really that case. <laughs> it was still pretty hard, and I had to study really hard to get through it. Uh, but, you know, um, like I said, all, all four years there at the Penn State Altoona campus and saved a lot of money. I didn't have to live off campus. Um, still lived at home, and, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't too much of a partier. Um, but in college... I mostly worked on my on my truck, my Toyota, well, my Forerunner. Okay. And um, when I should have been studying more. All right. So, was that your first vehicle? That was my first vehicle. Uh, I guess you could call my own. Um, my my dad got it for me for a graduation present, call it that, um, my or my birthday. Uh, my birthday's in March, so um, before I, we I graduated around my birthday, he got me this. It was a 1988 Toyota 4Runner. It was the first year with the V6 in it, and it was five-speed. Um, it was like um, it was like a sports car, you know, type of thing. It, to me, it was it was like electric windows and locks, and had a sunroof, and you <laughs> name it. And um, it was the first manual I drove too. Um, but before that, I drove like I must have drove 30 cars in high school. And How's that? I know, I know, <laughs> I know. You ask questions of certain questions about what cars you drive and things. Yep. So I'm probably jumping the gun. It's all right. There is um, no order. <laughs> well, so my dad used to buy and sell cars oh, for okay. fun or just to make some extra money, and um, I think mainly he was he was always into that sort of thing. His his dad had a used car lot, but he had he had passed away long ago when i was little so um so my dad kind of did that you know grow when i was growing up and to help to help the family make some extra money and so he would buy a car and um the funny thing is he didn't really do any of the work to them he he knew all the people though that did that stuff right because of his dad so he would take them and get the body work done or get the engine fixed or this and that and then he would do the salesman part, and that—that's what he liked to to deal with the people. And um, so, you know, and and when I when I got my license, uh, we always had we always had an extra car, the one that he was selling, you know. So I would drive that to school, and then he'd sell it, and I'd then he'd buy another one. I'd drive that to school, and it was just always something different. So, um, out of all it those was an adventure, out of all those cars. What was the coolest one you got to drive? Uh, 
probably wasn't until my forerunner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was more into the big boat type of cars. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a lot of Oldsmobiles and, and not Cadillac, but Oldsmobiles, Buicks. Um, I had a pretty cool Buick though. It was a Buick Regal. Um, it was a 3,800 V6. Still had a carburetor. Um, it was a 1986, I think. It was like maroon with a white vinyl top on it. And um, it was an automatic, but it, it was fast. And I'm, I was probably in 11th or 12th grade or something when I had that. And uh, he said to me one day, he's like, oh, I might, something happened to his car. And he said, I need to borrow that car you know, to drive to work. So I had to ride the bus. And I was like, oh, man, this is terrible. And later that day, we get home and he's like, oh, I got pulled over driving your car. Uh-oh. Because it was too fast, and uh, I don't know if he wasn't used to it or what, but he was going too fast in a 35-mile-an-hour zone and got pulled over <laughs> in a in a notoriously bad spot for cops. So, so he should have known better. Ironic. Yeah, exactly. He shouldn't have borrowed a car I was driving. There you go. So you're doing the engineering program, the local Penn State yep. there in Altoona, and you go through, and it was a, Two year, you said, or was it a two it was plus different. two? It was, right. It was how long? Two, were the you, you did two years of like electrical or mechanical. So I did the electrical two years, and then you, you basically you got an associate's degree, but then you start again in the electromechanical part of it, and uh, the program it was actually called electromechanical engineering technology. Okay. Um, and so you got a bachelor's degree at the end. So I really had two degrees, but it was all put together. All right. Um, yeah. So I did all four of those years here and, um, took some summer classes. It was, it was challenging. I, I, I didn't have it easy. I wasn't like, a, I don't know, top of the class or anything. And it was, it was definitely tough. And especially when I wanted to like go four wheeling and work on my forerunner instead, it, it, it was distracting me from what I should have been doing. Were there any other distractions at that time? No. Um, I was pretty nerdy. <laughs> uh, as far as like four-wheeling, I mean, that was like, I don't know. I was getting into it back then. And even though I was pretty much the only one of my friends that had a four-wheel drive. So, you know, I was working on it. And like I'd research on the Internet about what people were doing out west. And I wanted to do the same thing. But yeah, that was that was my main distraction. So when you say you were researching, tell me that you that it was pirate. Oh yeah, I lived on pirate. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and, you know, it was probably that was the main site. You know, that I would go to, and um, and the first thing I wanted to do was solid axle swap this thing because it had independent front suspension. And, you know, if you wanted to be rock crawling, you had to have a solid axle. So I, I really, I, I researched, you know, what to do and I, but I had no money. So I, I couldn't do this. And, and the other thing in the way, <laughs> the other problem was my parents would have never let me modify my vehicle. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to figure out a way to, to do that. <laughs> Without them knowing? Yeah. Yeah. 
that's how I had a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, that was the thing. I, my, my dad probably would have let me have a motorcycle or like dirt bike growing up, but, um, uh, my mom was a, an RN at the hospital and, um, she had, she was there for 40 years and finally retired recently. But, um, because of her, she would see kids in there with broken arms and legs and all kinds of problems from doing that stuff. I was never allowed that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so then you get your degree mm -hmm. and got a bachelor's in electro engineering, electromechanical engineering. Yep. And how did you, uh, how did you use that? Um, I, I didn't even use it right away because, um, I just, I looked locally for a job. I didn't want to move away. Uh, I don't know why really. I, I think I just, you know, like I enjoyed it here. I, I, I did do some fishing and hunting and I, I had a uh, grandfather that, uh, that I went and did that stuff with a lot. So, you know, that, that was involved. And, um, I, you know, one, I guess I just wanted to stay around here and, um, I had some relatives that were like, you know, you should go to South Carolina or somewhere else, you know, that has more opportunity. But, um, I, uh, I ended up starting, I worked as a maintenance technician at a local factory that made tubing, okay. uh, mainly, mainly copper tubing. And, um, I started there right out of college and, um, you know, no, no maintenance or no work experience or anything like that, but I loved it. Um, I got to, I got to do a lot of stuff that really helped me out to this day. And, uh, so, you know, I got to do like, I got the machine parts, I got to repair tons of machinery that, um, you know, like they, they had drawing tubes that, that were from World War II, uh, that were used for drawing out casings for bullets, bullet shells. And, um, so that's how they made the tubing for the, the casings, but they also used it for making any kind of tubing. So, um, so I got to just work on all kinds of old stuff and, you know, like mechanical machinery. And that, that was, that was really interesting to me. And, um, I worked there for, uh, exactly one year and the whole time I was there, I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm keeping my eye open for an engineering job because if I stay here, I'm just, you know, I'm not going to get hired as an engineer somewhere. So I, uh, I applied a few places and one of the coolest places I got to interview at was Honda. Uh, and it was the, the Honda research and development facility in, um, Marysville, Ohio. Okay. So I went for an interview and at the time, uh, my, my, my now my wife was my I was dating my wife then and she went with me and they paid for everything to for us to go there and they um yeah interview was really cool uh and I think the the one thing I remember from it was that uh they asked me we we're looking for a an engineer for um to work on automatic transmissions and I said uh you know they said do you have any experience with automatic transmissions and I really, I'm thinking to myself, I mean, it says on my resume, I worked at this factory for one year and I just was out of college. Just like, how would I have any experience with them <laughs> other than in my garage or something? And, and I was like, no, I don't really, you know, I, I, but I said, I've worked on, 
manual transmissions and transfer cases and things like that. <laughs> uh, but about I said, you know, I really don't have any experience with automatics. So never didn't hear back. So I, I contacted them and they were like, yeah, well, you know, we, we pick somebody else. That sucks. So it does, but you know, um, I, it's okay. I'm really, I'm glad I didn't move there. I hated the flat landscape <laughs> for one. Um, and the other thing, I probably wouldn't have married my wife. So okay. she, she probably wouldn't have moved there with me and we had only been dating for less than a year. So let's talk about that. How did you guys meet? Yeah. Uh, we met through friends and, um, it was kind of a blind date, except I knew about it and I just didn't know her though. <laughs> um, I, a friend of mine uh, was hang, helping me out in the garage, working on my truck, and he was like, "You should, you should meet this Lauren girl. And I think you'd like her." And then um, him and his girlfriend set up a a big party kind of thing where a bunch of friends we all went to this one one person's house, and and they were like, "Oh, well, this is Lauren, and this is Scott, so and so," and they're like. <laughs> she was surprised and I was kind of like, you know, I knew that was going to happen, although I didn't know her yet. So, um, you know, we, we hung out all night and that was the, uh, you know, how it started. And we just, we got each other's phone numbers and, you know, we, we dated for about oh, two and a half, three years or something like that. So, you know, we, we've been together this Jane, actually today, today, it'd be f- 15 years since we met each other. Wow. So, wow, yep, that's pretty good. At fifteen years, you can remember the date. January, it's nineteenth, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I couldn't even tell you that. I, I don't know what day. If it is the nineteenth, then yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's good. Good it on you, man. You you keep that oh, up. No, and it's tomorrow. Think, Tomorrow's the nineteenth. <laughs> Tomorrow's the nineteenth. Okay, well, at least you knew it was the nineteenth. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's one of those things that. As you get older, if you you don't get it figured out, you never will. So yeah. I'm glad you got it. That, that's bonus points. Yep, yep. So then um, you get back. Honda didn't happen. What else? Well, I uh, yeah, I kept applying for jobs, and I found this one um, that was about two hours from here. It was um, working as a contractor for Grove Crane, and they, they've now become Manitowoc crane which is a huge company worldwide and at the time though i was it was at the facility in i can't remember the name it's near waynesboro pa and i lived i rented a i got a job there and i rented a house in uh, waynesboro and um worked at that place and really it was not what i thought engineering was um, I worked for, it was a large engineering department, had lots of people, and I was in the hydraulic cylinder department, coincidentally, that I do stuff with that nowadays, but yep. um, I didn't really design anything. It was kind of a, a manufacturing ordered this cylinder, can you design, or, you know, like, put together these parts in CAD so that we give them this, whatever size cylinder they want to do this job. Um so things had already been like designed out and we just kind of put them together. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't exciting at all. It wasn't like learning anything new. I don't know. It was, it was really boring. And, um, 
So I was like, boy, I, re- I really need to find something different. And uh, my dad called me or I talked to my dad one day and he's like, hey, uh, there's this there's this job opening in the newspaper here back home that has like it sounds like it's what you wanted to do. And um, it's at a place that's just a few minutes down the road and you should apply. So I didn't even have a computer and I didn't have a smartphone. So I was like, you know, how the heck can I apply <laughs> right now? I want to, I want to wait till I get home on the weekend. And so I went down, I found the library, I go in the library and they were like, well, you have to sign up for a membership, but you get one free day. So, you, you know, you can use whatever you want, computers and stuff here for today. And I was like thinking to myself, I only need one day. <laughs> I'm not going to be back here ever again. And I, I filled out application and I sent in my resume and, um, uh, ended up getting a job back home here. And, uh, it was at a news, it was called news printing company or NPC. And, uh, they, um, they didn't print newspapers anymore, but that was how they had started. And they did lots of government forms and, um, printed booklets and different things. It was mainly printing and, um, some packaging of the printed stuff, but, uh, they had a really small engineering department and it was only two guys there when I, when I started there, two engineering guys. And, um, so it, they had just gotten SolidWorks uh, right before I started there, which, which I was familiar with from, um, working at that previous job. So, and I had learned a different 3d CAD program back in college. So I was, well, I really liked design stuff in 3d and I was excited when I, when I started there, the, that they had uh, had this program. So we, um, the three of us took care of, you know, designing new equipment or additional add-ons to equipment. And we, it was, you know, a, a huge, it was a change every day. It was something different. And I really liked that to um, just, it wasn't boring at all. It was always something changing or something breaking and something you had to figure out. So I, I like doing that. And, um, I was there for 11 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. When you, when you moved away, you were still dating when you went and worked at yeah. the, the cylinders, like you were still dating. Yes, I was. And uh, I drove home every weekend and, ah. uh, it was in the winter time too, which was terrible. I remember driving in the snow so many times, um, coming home or going back down and it was just like, it was torture, <laughs> but it was worth it. Oh, it was worth it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely was worth it. So 11 years with the, the newspaper company. Yep. And what, uh, what was the next step? So the next step, and, uh, this was only about two and a half years ago. I started at, um, another factory right down the road for me, even closer than the newsprinting company, which is, um, Vita Root. And, um, they make, parts and stuff like parts for uh uh fuel dispensing so parts that go on fuel trucks or um in gas stations uh pretty much all the stuff you don't see is is what they make there and um i'm a manufacturing engineer there and uh i take care of these different production cells that uh, produce electrical consoles and um uh, some mechanical parts and a variety of things they make a large variety of all different components and um 
it's it's an interesting job too i think because the it, it's such a variety of things i get to do um and and i've so since starting there i've implemented solidworks which they didn't have which was a huge tool that i used for years before that and um so i was excited to be able to bring that on onto there and i, I you know been involved in a bunch of projects and um it's i'm enjoying it there so far good <laughs> then let's talk about scott's off-road yeah you're uh that probably all started with working on the forerunner correct oh yeah definitely um i didn't have the idea for like creating the business for for a long time and uh and I, but I worked on people's stuff forever. <laughs> and, you know, since, since having like the first couple of years of having my forerunner and I started modifying it and, um, and that was in college and people, I guess, you know, my friends would be like, Hey, you can help me do this or that. And that, um, I ended up getting a welder or just a 110 welder and, um, a tubing bender. But I lived at home, so I couldn't really use any of that at home because they they used the garage to park their cars in, and I I couldn't work in there. So I borrowed garages forever. I mean, it seemed like a long time. I would borrow a friend's garage and work on my stuff or, or work on his stuff. And then I did a whole motor swap in my Toyota um, in somebody else's garage, and it was just um, – always moving to somewhere <laughs> somewhere different um and over the years i guess i you know I, I started doing so much of it that by the time my wife and i bought our first house uh, that was in 2009 i had been working at um that uh npc for about a year at that time and i uh finally had my own garage and so it was a two-car, basic two-car garage, eight-foot ceiling, you know, and not much space, but I could pull two vehicles in there. And um, at the time, I had my my forerunner had become a pickup. And there's a big story about that one. But uh, <laughs> and, and I, I, so at some point in time, and I can't remember what year or anything, but at work, at, when I was at NPC, my boss was like, you know what? you're using your phone a lot. So I want to get you on a phone plan. And this phone has to do with me starting my business, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. I, NPC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, it changed my life for the most part. I, getting this phone, if, if you can imagine that, but, uh, um, not that, I mean, I guess it's not changing my life that drastically. Um, from what I was able to do, I had to get a smartphone. I had a flip phone before that. And he was like, you have to get a smartphone because you got to have email. So, you know, pick a, pick a phone. So I go, I get a phone and I'm, you know, I've had it for a while then. And I realized that, um, I should, you know, like create a website. So I create a website and it's Scott's custom off road. And I, I don't know what, you know, I couldn't think of anything better. I'm terrible at naming things. <laughs> All right. What are the kids' names? Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm glad I had, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to name them anything if it wasn't for Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay. Uh, Levi and Michael Lynn. Okay. And uh, 
so that that's their names my daughter and son and um yeah uh <laughs> I, I wish i would have thought of a shorter business name because it's too long and uh anyway this phone like it, it i was able to do that and create a website right from my phone and i just and you know that was that was weird i, I never thought i could do such a thing and i'm not like a internet guy I really i'm not a computer guy i just typed in you know how do i make a website or something like that and so i started just putting pictures on and i had made some parts for my forerunner that um i thought people would like or use and i i did a bunch of drive shaft work so i would hmm. i um i would make drive shafts i had a lathe a small lathe so you and, made round ones not not the toyota square ones yeah i never made a square toyota drive shaft congratulations I, yes yeah um, I found a company in Wisconsin, um, that sells rolled spline shaft and in the mating coupler that goes on them. So I, I used, I, I still buy this material from them and, and, um, I'll machine it and make drive shafts out of it. And you can, you can buy it in any length you want. So you can make a, have a sh- drive shaft with any amount of slip. Wow. So on my Toyota, I remember welding two of the female spline sections together to have more slip because my front drive shaft would pull apart all the time. And I was like, you know, there's got to be a better way. I'm going to, you know, I'm a freaking engineer. I should be able to figure this out. <laughs> so I found that company, which was hard to find. There wasn't too many things available like that, you know, other than like an agricultural drive shaft, which they were all too small. So that was one of my things I started like advertising and I sold a few, but it was like, it was hard to buy. I don't know. I just wasn't, you know, like up to speed on like how to buy things or how to buy parts like yokes and stuff like that. So I would take old ones and cut them down and modify, you know, add the tubing and the spline part of it to other people's existing drive shafts. And that was, that was a majority of it. Okay. I did some roll cages and some exo uh, cages or whatever bumpers. Built a bunch of bumpers. Um, that was, I think those were probably the main things I that I was like. That's what started it. Um, but I never really, I didn't have a company. You know, it wasn't an LLC or anything back then. Um, so then, a friend of mine connected me with another friend of his that 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 he used to work with, and um, this other friend had a worked for a company that was a government contractor and they would build parts for uh like weather balloons and blimps and things it was um it was like um i don't know if it was some top secret stuff or what but he would just give me a print and say here you go make this interesting he needed yeah it was it was really interesting what they were doing um uh so but they required an llc at least to, to be able to get paid. So I, so he was like, you need to do that. You should have it anyway. So I looked up how to do it. And the whole, the whole LLC thing, I even got an uh, employee identification number, a federal one. And um, I did it all myself, did it all on the internet and sent papers back and forth to the state and got all that stuff squared away. And it was super cheap. And I had heard that people pay thousands of dollars, but somehow I, I figured out how to do it for like, I think 125 bucks. So, 
that was that was like the next step in becoming a business and i mean all this stuff was still on the side you know when um, i would come home and work and work at night or work on the weekends right um so i built some parts for this blimp guy i just called him the blimp guy back then and uh there was this one project that he was involved with called project loon and it was a google project and i i there's potential that some of my parts made it onto this thing and i was i was really excited about it i looked it up on google and tried to find out if i could see a picture of it or anything but i never did it was it's loon l-o-o-n yeah okay yep and what was it? Uh, what did they do with it? It was something to do with um, they would put weather balloons up in the air and they had communication uh, devices attached to these weather balloons that would, um, I think a lot of them were for cell signal. And the one I that I did read about on the internet was um, there was a like a big hurricane had devastated one on an island in the Caribbean somewhere. I don't know if it was Jamaica or something like that. And they they were able to fly these weather balloons around in a pattern and then they would like cycle um, in a circle or something. And like, they wouldn't get lost, you know, wouldn't just, you know, drift out of the ocean. They were able to control the height and then, and like drive them kind of. And um, it provided cell ser- service for the Island that, uh, you know, like they, they lost all their cell towers. Okay. And uh, so it was interesting. It was a, it was a cool job that i got to you know make a couple bucks on that was like my first real um you know job that i did for my as a business even though it wasn't for off-road stuff but that's cool where you can do something outside of yeah you know outside of your your bubble you might say yep so then with uh with with the your steering pumps how yeah. did that all come about? Uh, so on my on my Toyota, I mean, this is where I, I pretty much spent all my time was like figuring out how to make this thing work right. And um, so it went from a 4Runner to a pickup. And I think sometime when it was a pickup. Um, wait, wait, was... Okay, before we get into the steering <laughs> pumps, let's talk yeah. about this transformation from a 4Runner yeah. to a pickup. Okay. What well, happened? <clears throat> I'll try to make it it's <laughs> i won't try to drag it out so long because there's a lot to it That's um right. so uh so the forerunner that my dad got me in high school it had two hundred thousand miles on it and i put about fifty thousand miles on it in my in the time that it was a forerunner and during that time i solid axle swapped it without them knowing and uh <laughs> it, it i drove it home and got heck for that and my dad said, you know, you're going to kill yourself driving that thing. So <laughs> I, uh, it, I had made my own steering, my own high steer arms and all that stuff. Cause I couldn't afford to buy the, uh, the ones from all pro or Marlin and stuff back then. So, um, I made them and I worked at a machine shop part-time in college. So I was able to lucky enough you know, to learn a lot there and, and make all this stuff. So it, uh, see i rebuilt the engine somewhere in like 2004 2005 it was a 3.0 which was notoriously bad and blew, blew blew the head gaskets twice and then so the second time I rebuilt the engine 
and then um, it was a solid axle at that time. But then I was driving to a friend's house, and a friend and another friend was following me, and we were this the where we were going was near our uh, our junior high, and uh, I went where I went to school, and they had this big parking lot, of course, so it's raining, and I go over in the parking lot because I don't know I don't even know why. I go over there and I do a donut and it didn't even do half a turn and it just rolled over. And, uh, <laughs> it was pretty tall then. <laughs> it was like, I think on 35s and, um, like that was big. Nobody had 35s back then, at least that I knew of. And it was pretty tall. So I, I just smashed it. It just, it rolled over on its side and I, got out through the windshield because the windshield flew out and um i it, but my buddy was behind me so we get out and it's pouring down rain and i get out and we i had a tow strap so we hook it up to his uh i think an explorer and we hook it up and roll back over nope no problems it looks it's sitting there looks like it's fine from one side <laughs> right so we're standing there like well let's see if it starts nothing won't start so we hear sirens and then police and the fire department and the ambulance all show up. And <laughs> oh, I was like, you got to be kidding me. And uh, my buddy's house that we were going to was like a block away. And we couldn't even, we, they beat us, the, the fire department beat us. Then they got there before we could evacuate. <laughs> um, so we, they were like, oh, it looks like everybody's fine. Nobody's hurt. And it looks like it's drivable. So see ya. And that was it. And wow. so we drag it over to the sidewalk or the curb and park it. And uh, the guy we were going to his house, this kid my age, he had just bought a 1985 Toyota pickup. And the the frame was rotted in half. Imagine and that. He, exactly. And you know what? Oh, so good. It was perfect because... Um, I bought the title in the cab from him and he sold the frame, the axles to somebody else. And, uh, I, so I got the cab and title for 500 bucks. And the, so I was like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I'm building a, uh, a, a truck. I'm going to put this cab on my floor on the frame, which is the same body design and same body mounts and everything. So I, um, that was when I bought my tube bender and I built a tube bed for it. Um, and I, it was modeled kind of after the old, uh, uh, I just said it earlier, like a, I don't know if Mar it wasn't Marlin, it was, uh, the all pro oh gosh, all pro. Yeah. All pro had a cool looking bed kit that they sold and I, I, I made my own. So I, you know, bought tubing, bought a bender. Um, I, I couldn't even bolt the bender down to the floor cause I didn't own a garage and I was borrowing a friend's garage. And, uh, it, you know, it came with like the lever that you had to pull and, you know, the JD two bender. So, um, but his dad wouldn't let it, let me bolt it down. So I had, I had to come up with a way to, uh, to make it like hydraulic or something. So I, I did the air over hydraulic cylinder that everybody does nowadays and made my own clamp and, you know, used my 110 welder for everything. And I weld the whole bed together with a 110 welder flux core. So, uh, I drove that for a long time and, uh, I drove it and that was my daily driver. Um, 
So whenever I uh, bought the house and got finally got a garage, then I wasn't sure. It was shortly after that I got pulled over um, for the last time because I got pulled over in that thing like every other week. <laughs> uh, they they hate it around here when your tires stick out. That's a it's a huge no no, um, <laughs> and they stuck way out, uh, and it was really tall. Like you know, it just was unusual to see a, a Toyota truck that was like this around here. There's not there was nothing nobody else like it. Um, I had a snorkel on it. It was on the driver's side, it was a big black tube, and it was homemade. You know, so it was kind of unusual. But um, I got kind of threatened by the last time that I got pulled over. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so during that time though, when I was driving and I'd drive on the road and I'd drive it to go four wheeling and, you know, I drove to Roush Creek and I drove to Paragon with it. And, um, I had, I had an issue one time with my steering pump. So that's where, that's where that started. And that that's, so we can talk about that now. <laughs> okay. We came full um, circle. Perfect. Yeah, we came the whole way back to the, the steering because when I was when in that truck, uh, you know, it had a stock steering on it. And uh, when it was a truck, though, I swapped the motor and it was a 3.0 originally. And then I swapped this in a 3.4 liter, which was super common. You know, everybody did that. And they had the, uh, the 3.4 stock steering pump on it. I think it lasted, I don't know, two or three years like that. And uh, I finally did hydraulic assist you know, on it at the end of its life. I should have done it at the beginning because it was, I don't know. That, that I tell everybody that now because that, that's like new into four-wheeling to do hydraulic assist right away. It's just a huge improvement. Absolutely. And uh, I ended up breaking my frame where the steering box mounts, and that was the last straw. I had to do hydraulic assist when that happened. But, uh, so I did, and then the pump went and I was at a local place and when that happened, so I put another stock pump on it. So then we, we drove to Roush Creek to go for Orland for the weekend. And I, I don't know, might've made it till 10 o'clock on like a Saturday morning and the, and the pump quit. So I called a local parts store and they had a pump. So I go get one and, uh, put it on and like Sunday we were camped out Sunday morning. We go out four wheeling again and then it did the same thing. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So like you can't buy a pump that works. And I get back home and I put it on jack stands. Oh, I, I got back home and I took the pump back to the parts store and you know, get another one. I put it on in the garage and it's up on jack stands and it won't turn. There won't, it had no power. Just, it was bad already. So, you know, and I was like, this is enough. I'm done. I'm, I'm done with these pumps. That's, I, I, I can come up with something better. So I took the pump back and I just said, give me my money back. I'm, I'm, I want, you know, I'm not, I don't want another one. So I had done a little bit with hydraulics and stuff at work and I built a log splitter in the years before that. And it wasn't like, you know, super familiar with all hydraulic stuff, but it, it wasn't out of scope for what I could do. Okay. Um, so that's, that's when I bought a gear pump and it was like, it wasn't even close to what I'm using nowadays, but, um, but still gear pump. And, uh, it, 
it worked great on that Toyota truck with um, hydraulic assist. And it was a much smaller pump and different design and stuff. But uh, it didn't it didn't have quite as much load on it that like a full hydraulic system does. So um, it worked great. But then um, I really didn't, you know, like I guess when I put it on, I didn't really do a whole lot of uh, experimentation. It just kind of worked. And, um, you know, I thought through it for a while before I tried it, but, um, when I built the buggy in, uh, 2013, um, I was like, you know, this, this pump isn't going to cut it. I need more flow because I need to have all the, um, flow, you know, go to the Ram and not, you know, it's not going to be a steering box only. Um, so it's just going to be full hydraulic. So. I just need more, I need more flow. I need bigger pump. I need a better way. And that's, I, I did a lot of experimentation with how to connect the, the pulley to it. And these pumps aren't designed to connect uh, or to be driven by a pulley or to be side loaded. So, um, and I went through a lot of different designs on how to, how to do that and different, different ways to hold a bearing, um, and, and the pump's much larger than, you know, a regular stock style steering pump. So like fitting it in, um, you know, is, is tough and there's a lot of space constraints and things on the buggy. I guess it wasn't so bad because, you know, I could work around it. I, I was planning that, you know, while I was building the chassis. So that was that was like so 2013 is when I first started using it on the buggy. But I had done it for a few years on the truck. And I didn't really start selling them until about 2018. Okay. So I, I mean, I used it for a long time and went through a lot of testing. Um, I remember being out, you know, four wheeling and it would be like, yeah, I have a problem with my steering and my, my buddy, Dan, you know, Dan Iker. Yep. He'd be like, just buy a pump. Just go buy a PSC pump. Quit messing around. (laughs) <laughs> and I'd be like, no, this is what I want to do. <laughs> I want to, I want to figure this out. There's See, that's no the way. difference between the Jeep guy and the Toyota guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that right uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, being the Jeep guy, you just bolt parts on that. He'll probably give me heck for saying that. <laughs> yeah. I got heck numerous times for, for messing around because I, he, you know, I'm, being the buggy guy now i'm always working on my buggy is what he would i'm always under it or working on or something's wrong or um versus his jeep just ran and he didn't have to do anything so he said so he said yeah yeah so how successful has that pump been business-wise to me i think it's been fairly successful i think you know there's different markets i guess for it and it's such a niche thing that um, I'm not sure how to com- what to compare it to. So you know, like I I compete against the you know two three hundred dollar pumps, and so that's tough because it costs three times more than that. Or you know, it's like my base price is six hundred bucks, so um, it's tough for some guys and uh, to to want to jump up to that. But it's also, 
got the performance of the $2,000 TT pumps. Okay. Um, as far as flow and pressure, it's, you know, the, as far as I know, it's the highest pressure, uh, pumps, you know, out there for steering and, and it's, I'm limiting it to 2000 PSI, which, you know, I think maybe the next lowest one might be like 1800 PSI or something like that. And some of those TT pumps use external relief valves similar to mine. Um, and so they're adjustable too, and people can change that, but, um, so that's, I try to, you know, all, all the years of four wheeling and things that I'm just, I try to be really economical with like how I, how I do stuff. So I want it to be, you know, affordable and, um, try to figure out how to do, the, how to make the best product as cheaply as possible or inexpensively as possible. Um, and still, and, and still have a quality product. And still have a quality product, yeah. And that's it's really challenging because um, you know it. Well, yeah, it's it's that way with anything, really. But uh, <clears throat> I, I I've done well. I've done better every year than the previous year. Each you know, in okay. the last four years, this would be my fifth year of selling them. Um, that it's been each year's increase in in sales and. Uh, I know last year um, sales doubled in January, and I was just like, "Holy cow, this is insane!" Um, you know, from the previous months before that, in the, in the previous year, so it was like, you know, off the charts. Um, All while under COVID, exactly. Okay, which was really odd. I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but. Uh, the end of the year, it tapered off more or less, and um, not tapered off, but it just slowed down. And I, I don't know if the economy has to do with it or if it's seasonal. Uh, some of it is. It's, not, it's kind of picked back up here in the last few weeks, uh, month or so. People are tearing down their vehicles or looking for improvements now. And you know the um, one of the one of the biggest markets for it is the rock bouncers, right. and it's uh, I you know I've heard numerous comments from the from the racers the the drivers that it is game changing, because they were they they have so much power and and technology in their suspension nowadays, um, that they can go so fast, but they can't steer. Right, and the, the steering couldn't keep up. Yeah, the steering can't keep up, and they race a lot of uh, like short woods trails and so they're they're between trees and rocks and things and so they would hit trees and and just have to stop and then rev the motor to get the steering to turn and then go again and and it's costing them time and um you know any every second counts they're they're these guys times you know you're winning by a thousandth of a second um which is it's insane the competition is incredible Right. And, um, so, uh, you know, I've had a bunch of, I have a bunch of pumps on the, on these guys' vehicles down there. Now it's, it's super exciting. I, I'm just beside myself on how well they've done with it. It was never intended to, to, uh, work that way. Um, you know, these guys are running super high RPM. Um, you know, in my little crawler, it's like, 
5,000 RPM max. <laughs> and uh, typically, you know, it's like less than 2,000 RPM. And uh, it, and so that's that, that was one of the limiting factors for this pump originally was like, oh, I can't go too high. You know, it's, it's just not designed for that. But there's been guys running this pump over 10,000 RPM. Wow. Which is just, it's crazy. I mean, uh, it's and it works. And it is, you know. I've had failures, but it's um, it's definitely been uh, a surprise at how well it's really been holding up. Um, this year is going to be really exciting. Um, Tim Cameron bought a few pumps last year, and uh, he's he's he put one on his new race vehicle. So uh, <laughs> I uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm gonna I'm planning on going to a race this year in Kentucky to to watch. I think it's in August. Excellent. So, be the first time to get to go see those guys, and I know a bunch of them. Um, and uh, it's funny, guy. My son, he's only six now, but he'll turn on YouTube and watch the bouncers on TV, and and I'll be like, "Oh, I didn't need that guy there." He, he's like, "Hey, Levi, that guy has my pump on his pocket." Yeah. <laughs> it's a, that's really fun. So, any other product that you have that's a key part of the business? Uh. There's a, I guess, you know, a couple other things I make that that are much less significant than the pump. I guess maybe the next one would be the, I make a Toyota style uh, midship bearing or, you know, unit bearing for for drive shafts. And um, it's, I had to redesign it recently because Marlin stopped selling their 30 spline flanges. So I was using those flanges and I was making my own uh, 30 spline shafts for the, for these uh, unit bearings. And um, I mean, I made all, I machined all the parts. I cut the splines on the shafts and get them heat treated and all that stuff. So they stopped selling those and I had to redesign to use a uh, a 29 spline Toyota pinion flange, which is, they're much more common. So changed it to that. And I was like really tempted. I took it off my website and I've (laughs) As soon as I did that, I had three people ask for them. <laughs> Man, I really, <laughs> these take so much longer to make that I'm going to increase the price to 100 bucks. And they were like, okay, no problem. <laughs> like, oh, I just don't have time. <laughs> yeah, you try to, sometimes uh, you try to price yourself so you don't have to do the work. Yeah. Um, one of the other things I make to go with the pump is, is a reservoir. And, the pump needs a large reservoir, ideally, and uh, I make a one-gallon reservoir. It's per- it's pretty simple. It's just a box and some fittings, and I, I priced it pretty high, and I was like, I don't want anybody to buy this, <laughs> <laughs> and I sell a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> because everybody wants, like, a package. Yeah, they do. Uh, they do, and so that's, like, the next step is um, – packaging more of those components together. So um, I'm working on that um, to get like a complete package. I've done it for numerous people, but it's just piecing things from here and there. um, So not only the pump and the reservoir, but a cooler. Ram. Ram, everything. uh, Fittings, yeah, pulley. um, I do sell pulleys a lot, but they're just, you know, I, I just look them up on the internet and buy them and, but the, that, that um, saves somebody else trying yeah. to figure that out. Yeah, exactly. So I, 
I do that a lot, and I, I don't have online sales. This still, you can't just click on a button and buy this thing. I don't want it to be right now, mainly because it's so different still that I want to talk to the people, you know, about their application and how it works and how you install it. Even, even to like, you know, they send me pictures and can I put it here? How can I, how can I locate this? Or, you know, can I use this part with it? Or can I use this cooler or what fittings you need? There's, there's so many questions that they have. I feel like if they were to just click on the button and buy the thing, it would have more opportunity for failure. Right. So I leave it that way for now. So where do you think it's going to go? Do you think you're going, think it's going to be ability to move away from working for somebody else and you can just do that? Or is it always going to be a side hustle? I don't see it at this point being a full-time job because the I don't I don't think the market's big enough right too niche yeah right it's not a it's not going to fit everybody and you know regular the steering pumps have their application too in in different app you know um, you know you don't need to go fast or you don't need that much flow um, so yeah it does have its limitations for like to fit it in every application so that that's limiting it on like it's you know it's reach um, where where it's where it's being used. Okay. Um, although you know it's it's still growing. I I've sold a bunch to Australia, um, some in the Middle East, even lots to Canada, and um, and of course the Southern bouncer guys are you know still increasing there. So it's definitely, it's definitely niche though. So I don't, I don't see that being my full time. I would have to have, uh, you you can tell I've thought of this numerous times, but (laughs) I would have to have a bunch of products (laughs) similar, similarly, uh, sized to that to, to be, I think, independent of, you know, on my own, um, the bearing one's pretty good, but you know, it's niche too. Uh, you know, it's, so a bunch of these things all together maybe would work someday. And that that's, I always think of that. So I, I you know, maybe someday, uh, maybe when uh, Levi is old enough to help me out in the garage, we'll, we'll be able to go on our own. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about your, uh, event promoting. Yeah. How'd you, uh, how'd that come about? Um, you're talking about the rock run thing, yeah, right? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, back uh, when I had my Toyota truck, there was, the, I mean, Rock Run's only half an hour for me. And it's mainly an ATV park, but there was a guy, there was a guy there that volunteered, um, had a Jeep, and he wanted to put on these, like, um, Jeep, you know, full-size four-wheel drive vehicle events. And I was like, we should do a rock crawl. I go to these rock crawls, and, I, you know, I go to these ones at Roush Creek, and and I've seen the We Rock ones. I don't think I had done a We Rock event at that time. I'm pretty sure not. So he's like, "Yeah, yeah. How do you do it?" And uh, I was like, "Well, you know, I'll just use the rolls that We Rock uses, and or like Roush Creek, you know, we'll, we'll, whatever. We'll we'll combine them or something. We'll come up with our own." So uh, he was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So I come up with this idea, and he didn't like it. <laughs> He wanted to do something completely different. It turned out more like a, I don't know. It was it wasn't a rock crawling competition, and so 
the first time we did it, it was six friends. And I bought some cones and I, I set up the cones in, in the area where we had the rock crawl. And um, I always knew this area was would work. You know, it was like a, it was a large outcropping of rocks. And, um, it, and we liked, there was, at the beginning, there was three trails on this, on this rocky area. And there was a lot of trees between the rocks and stuff. And um, so the six of us did it. And we was like, holy cow, this is awesome. We had so much fun. And the next year we, we did it again. And it was like, I don't know how it went, maybe like 12 people. And, you know, friends of friends came and uh, it just grew over the years. And I did it for seven years in a row. Um, I think it was about seven years. Yeah. And uh, I think I started it right after, like maybe in the last year I had my Toyota truck and when I got, when I built the buggy in 2013 is really when, um, really when it was like popular around here, if you want to call it that. Okay. Um, if, so there was, there's nothing like this around. I mean, people ride dirt bikes and ATVs, like they're going out of style, but as far as four wheel drive vehicles or full size vehicles around here, um, there's some Jeeps and stuff, some Jeep guys and, um, but there's nothing like. There's no buggies. And so, um, you know, when, when we like the, maybe the second or third year we did that there, um, I got some, uh, sponsors to donate some prizes, um, you know, like parts and a winch and, uh, numerous things, you know, camp chairs, all kinds of stuff. And, um, and we had a raffle and, um, you know, we got some banners made and I had the, it was kind of like trying to be legitimate <laughs> a rock crawling competition. And, um, yeah, I had done the RC rocks at Roush for numerous years, um, with my buggy. And so I really liked doing that, but it was, uh, it was different. The rules were different. Um, I was in like a class that I didn't really like maybe. So, and I wasn't, I wasn't in unlimited back then with my buggy. So I had created my own class rules for, for my own competition. And it was just three classes. I'm thinking what they were. It was uh, modified, super modified, and unlimited. And it was kind of like based on what the vehicles were that came to it. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't quite what, like, your, your rules are or Roush's rules are. It, more, it was more loose probably than those. A little and, fluid. Um, yeah. Yeah. We didn't. It, you know, it was, it was really fun. It wasn't, uh, you know, you didn't win money or anything. We, we had, uh, I had a friend of mine make trophies that were made out of broken parts and plasma cut parts and things like that. So, you know, you got this like crazy looking trophy and then you, you know, you bought some tickets for a raffle and that helped me pay for all my stuff I had to buy. And, um, yeah, and we, you know, had a big raffle at the end and we had somebody cooking food and, um, it was a blast, but, uh, it was so much work, <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. So <laughs> it's incredible what it takes to do that. Um, I was like getting really burned out at that, which is crazy. Cause it was only one time a year. And like, so I had wanted to do like a series, you know, we had Roush Creek in mine and I don't know if there's any other ones or anything like it around, but I had talked to, um, 
the people at Roush and um, some guys that organized it there, and they were like, no, no, we don't, we're not doing that. Nope, nope, nope. And um, I think I convinced maybe them to do it a little bit, but it just it didn't work out. By that time, I was already kind of tired of it. So when uh, when Hans you know, started his series, X Rock, he him and I talked about combining my event and his series. And I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. Uh, I'm so glad you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was, it was, um, it was, it was different and I didn't have to work as hard and I got to drive my buggy in the, in the event. So I was a competitor back again. Right. And, um, I liked that. So, uh, last year, in 21 we were going to do it again and uh the park is isn't the easiest place to work for um work with i should say and they have a lot of events scheduled uh, for atvs and things and so you got to schedule around those because we're we're secondary to all that stuff um you know we're not bringing in thousands of people like they do for those events so it's you know, that that's their priority, but, um, the scheduling, the scheduling just didn't work out. We were, we were limited to like, I think April or something to do our, and the X-Rock event there. And it just didn't work out. So we didn't have an event there. And, um, I'm just, I told Hans, he's, he was apologetic because he was like, look, I'm really sorry. I, you know, I'll help you out somehow. Just, you know, let me know what I can do. And, um, I was like, look, I'm okay. Don't worry. <laughs> I, I, I'm, if we don't have it there, I'm okay with it. Um, I had my fun and it's just, you know, that was, that was kind of it. I, I think I'm, uh, it, I ran think its I'm really, course. it ran its course and it was, it was a good timing for it. I, there was nothing around except for the Roush events. Um, and it was only the club comp events. They, 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 I think they had stopped doing uh, the RC rocks events, like the main, they, you know, they used to have a series, right. Um, three or four events a year on top of the club comp events. So at some point they stopped those and it was only the club comp. There was like a combination. One was a combo event where you had like, I had four vehicles and a team. And, uh, so it's a completely different ball game, but, uh, there was no other, there was no other game in town except for you. And, you know, you came over around once a year. So it was like, we need something else to do. And, um, you know, people came from everywhere for that thing. And, um, and then, and then now, now Hans has his series going. So I think, you know, it, it was a little fill in, in the middle, you know, interim between the RC rocks and the X rock. Right. So, and I, I hope yeah. that Hans's events can, can continue. I know yeah. that for us, it, it just, it was hard when we couldn't get the teams to come out. Yeah. You know, when we were there, they, they wanted more events closer together and, you know, yep. we just can't do that. No, no. You know, I mean, we have to, we have to service as much square miles as we can with our events. And it just, the Northeast, what I would call Northeast Pennsylvania, um, yeah. you know, on and on up just, right. Just was not enough participation. No. So I apologize That's, to everybody up there, but you know, if you guys don't show up, I can't do it. <laughs> I I agree. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would not I would not hold an event that nobody comes to. It just doesn't make sense. Um, no. And you know, for me, it was like 
I couldn't, I couldn't turn down doing the RC or the rock run crawl events because we were having like 25 competitors show up. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, well, geez, I guess I have to keep doing this. Exactly. (laughs) Or else somebody's going to have to do this. This is like, you know, people want to do it. Okay. Let's keep going. But, uh, yeah, around here, it's, is really challenging to find enough people. Um, they just, they want to, I don't know. You want to go camping or something or like just go uh, driving around in the woods so more or less and not, not so much be on the competitive side of things. And yeah, people yeah. still don't know like what rock crawling is and what a buggy is. They just don't know. It's just very uncommon around here. Well, and there's a lot of places that that is the case. I come across a lot of people that will say, yeah, you know, this is my rock crawling Jeep. And I look at it and <laughs> okay. You know, right. yeah, <laughs> it's not even, uh, it's not even built as, you know, like my Cherokee. So, you know, it's like, okay. Um, you know, doesn't even have a dent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're, you're not really probably rock crawling if you don't have any dents. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Scratches at least. Geez. So what's next for Scott? I don't have any huge changes. I don't think it's just um, the the pump thing. I have another revision for, so I am going to be putting out a new design. Uh, I have to make some improvements. I'm, there's a lot of improvements on this new uh, bearing support design. Okay. Um, so that'll be coming out shortly, and like in the next month or so. That's that's probably the biggest thing I'm working on. I I built a plasma table last year um it's a four foot by three foot cnc table so i'm i have a little bit more capability now i can design some stuff more easily that i you know i like uh test it out and i um i built uh i designed two different bracket systems for jeep 4.0 motors to mount my pump on um i haven't set pricing and or advertised them yet so um first to hear it and um those those should be you know available uh, very soon, so I can start. Nice thing is I can I can test that stuff really quickly and start making it. Um, I I just I only had an opportunity to work on a on a Jeep with a 4.0 only recently after all these years. Um, I've worked on so many Jeeps but never had the chance to to like mount a pump on one. So, um, I'm mounting one on uh, is one in the garage right now for a friend that uh, he's going to, you know, test it out for me, but excellent. Um, I've already, I've already bolted it on another Jeep. So it's, it's, it should be good to go. But uh, yeah, just, uh, I think, you know, bracketry for different, for different motors. I'm working, I have some other ones I want to make for LS motors um, on top of a couple I have. And then uh, the new pump bearing design um, will be coming out. It's uh, I'll probably, sell more of those Toyota uh, unit bearings and um, I might get some help, you know, mass producing some parts on that so I can sell at least some of them and not waste so much time. uh, Me uh, manually machining every one of them. Right. (laughs) Um, I have a person and, you know, you covered this story in, or this thing in your magazine a long time ago. uh, My, my Toyota rear disconnect. Right. I have a guy that wants one like real bad <laughs> and he won't take no for an answer. Um, so, 
if I can ever get the projects out of my garage and get my buggy in there, I have to uh, take it, take mine apart to draw some of the parts that I never did draw and I just made them on the fly. So, so I can duplicate it and um, sort of come up with a kit. If I make one for this guy, I'll probably be able to, you know, sell them. It's just, I really don't know what the market for that would be um, for a Toyota rear disconnect. Um, it's just, you know, it's going to be expensive <laughs> for what it is. <laughs> I think that you're going to be really surprised because that's, well, that's the Toyota guys' biggest complaint is, yeah. man, I can't do front digs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I have to mention Dan again. He's the one who kind of drove me to do that. And I, I, I really didn't want to. I was just like, you know, it's stupid to put one in a Toyota. I'll just buy a Dan 300 or something and put it in there and it'll do it just fine. But, you know, I'd already had a Toyota doubler and all the gearing and all that stuff. I didn't want to have to buy that again. So that's, you're right. I mean, and like, thousands guys of guys in that do. Same boat. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I want to, I want to get it in there and, uh, and start on that project this winter so I can at least get the drawings made up for it and, and make some parts and stuff and, um, you know, make another one or make a couple of them at once. That way I can sort of prove out my, my manufacturing design. And, cool. um, yeah, that could be a, that could be a future product. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Scott, I want to say thank you so much for for coming on and sharing your history in off-road and how you got to where you're at now and your engineering. And um, it's great that uh, I love to see guys doing what you're doing and building stuff and trying to do something different out of the box than just buying something off the shelf. So yeah, kudos yeah. to that. That's how this whole industry, that's how this whole industry has been from day one. Oh yeah, definitely. It's the, doing the stuff that nobody else does that is gotten us where we're at now. Yep. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on and spending some time with us. Awesome, Rich. Well, I appreciate talking to you and it was, it was a, it was a blast for me and, um, you know, I enjoy uh, you ask the right questions to, to get the to get the answers the things I never thought of or you know the things I've forgotten over the years. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad I was able to pull something out. Excellent. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you. Talk to you later. Mm. Yep. Bye bye. Bye bye. If you enjoy these podcasts, please give us a rating. Share some feedback with us via Facebook or Instagram, and share our link among your friends who might be like minded. Well, that brings this episode to an end. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week with Conversations with Big Rich. Thank you very much.